You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. I'm your host, Kate Pierce-Nims, NYSAC's Multimedia Specialist. We're going to chat a bit today about working caregivers, people in the workforce who also provide in-home monitoring, management, supervision, or treatment to another person with a special need. Family, friends, and neighbors play a central role in assisting older adults and individuals of all ages with varying abilities to complete tasks and help them maintain their independence. We're happy to be joined today by Becky Preeby, Executive Director of the Association on Aging in New York. Thank you for taking the time to have this conversation. Thanks for having me, Kate. So to start us off, can you give us an overview of working caregivers in New York State? What's an estimate for employees who provide support for loved ones in their lives? So um, I think to start that conversation, it's really important, and I love how you introduced this, Kate. Um, one of the biggest barriers as far as supporting working caregivers are people don't identify as a caregiver, right? They always say, I'm just a son, I'm just a daughter, I'm just a friend. Um, and we're really trying to change that language from caregiver to do you provide assistance to another person? Um, you know, they're defined as family, friends, neighbors who provide a variety of different tasks that help individuals with their activities of daily living. And what a lot of people aren't aware of are really the mass number of caregivers <clears throat> we have in New York State. So we currently have about 4.1 million active caregivers. Um, and when you look at what they actually provide to the people that they're caring for, it's about 2.7 billion hours of unpaid care. Um, the reason that's important is if you looked at that at the market rate, it would cost about $32 billion annually in this state. What does that mean as far as an employer? So uh, many of the listeners today are active in the workforce, but they also actually have their own employees. And I think it's important to realize that in, in today's market, one in six of your employees is an active caregiver. Um, and when you look at the statistics of what that caregiver actually does, so one out of six of your employee, employees are providing about 20 hours a week of care. Um, so it's significant on top of working either a part-time or a full-time job. And it really, it has a cost to the employer as well if the employer isn't well-versed in all things caregiving and how to support an employee. Right, and the impact in the workplace of that it can be felt through missed time, disruptions in the workday, losses in productivity, or worse, the permanent loss of a trained, hardworking employee who's an integral part of your workforce of your operation. So can you identify some key challenges and costs uh, for working caregivers in the state? Sure. So the cost of caregiving on the business industry exceeded $50 billion last year. So it is very, very significant. Um, and that's not to say it's a bad thing to have working caregivers, because obviously these are individuals that can multitask. They are very talented at a, a work-life balance. Um, but when you really get down to what the costs are associated, it's, it's really important to look at this through the lens of the employee. So 69% of working caregivers caring for a family member or friend report having to rearrange a work schedule, decrease their hours, or take an unpaid leave in order to meet their caregiving responsibilities. So that's a pretty significant number, Kate. We also know that about 70% of working caregivers suffer work-related difficulties due to having that dual role. Um, and we know that 15% actually have to take a leave of absence at some point for their caregiver journey. And actually 10% of caregivers have left the workforce in the last year because of caregiving duties. So when you look at the total estimated aggregate cost of wages, pensions, social security benefits, it's about $3 trillion annually. So it's, it's very, very significant for the state. Um, and that's why it's really, really important that 
employers are thinking about caregiving the same thing, the same way they worry about child care issues for employees. Um, it's just as important. We also know that a lot of individuals um, in the workforce are actually double duty caregivers, which puts them even at a higher risk because many of them are taking care of an older parent. Um, or family member plus their caregiving to their children. So it's it's really important that employers are sensitive and we're definitely seeing a culture change where employers realize the impact of caregiving in the workforce and they're doing a lot of things through their HR departments to potentially support them in that caregiver journey. And just the fact that we're having these conversations to raise awareness, to be cognizant that your employee may be um, working through something as a caregiver is really, really important. And Kate, a lot of the work that I do obviously is, is with the Senate and Assembly and Governor's Office. And I have to tell you this last legislative session, every single elected member that I spoke with had a personal care story. And I think you know, COVID-19 has definitely exacerbated the number of people that we're seeing in that role, um, but it's also gotten, gotten a lot of attention. So um, just having the conversation is, is a very positive thing for an employer to do. It's raising awareness, like you said, that uh, there are folks who might not self-identify as caregivers. And just knowing that from an employer end, that supporting your employees means this as well. Um, there's, of course, the worker workforce shortage right now in a lot of industries. And so to retain and incentivize employees to stay, it just makes sense that you'd want them to be in an environment where they are supported to take on the tasks of their the responsibilities of their job, of their role, and then also be supported in their personal lives to provide these care tasks because this isn't something that um, is going away, right? These care tasks need to be provided whether or not someone's also in the workforce. Something that's interesting, Kate, is that we know that 75% of people trust their employer to do what's right for them. Uh, so HR departments are really integral in making your employee feel supported. And there are a lot of resources for human resource departments to actually reach out to their local office for the aging for information on all things caregiving and the potential to link to additional resources in the community to actually support that employee. That's phenomenal. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here just to hear a message from a sponsor of NYSEX, but we will be right back to the conversation. New York State Industries for the Disabled, NYSID, is a not-for-profit membership organization that creates meaningful employment opportunities for individuals with disabilities while helping local governments meet their procurement needs and obligations under the Preferred Source Program. NYSID is proud of the thousands of workers who have provided quality products and services to customers since 1975 through their ever-changing network of 97 member agencies and 41 corporate partners across New York State. NYSID currently provides goods and services for numerous industries, including financial, medical, construction, and more. Discover how you can foster a more inclusive New York by visiting NYSID.org. And for our listeners who are county leaders, who are employers in their communities, as well as employees, what are some ways that employers, including counties, can do to support working caregivers? So there are a lot of things. Um, our partners at New York State Office for the Aging actually have published and distributed a working caregiver guide for employers. Um, that has gone out to all of the county leadership teams. It's also gone out through Department of Labor. And really that is a resource to be able to 
to connect individuals to community resources. I think the other thing that, that many HR departments can do, many employers can do, is they can make sure that they're putting out information, whether it be via email or in a newsletter about caregiving, about caregiver supports. And there are tons of educational opportunities, one that's actually coming up, for employers to learn more about what happens in the caregiving space. And I think um, we can look at this from the economic side of things, but you can also look at it from employee satisfaction, which is really, really important for retention and retainment, especially in the current job market. Um, we worked with an organization called Archangels out of the state of Massachusetts, and we distributed what's called the Caregiver Intensity Index statewide this past year. And what's really um, discouraging to hear, but also makes, makes us know we're rowing in the right direction, is that out of the individuals that took the survey, um, it was staggering. 31% of working caregivers contemplated suicide in 2020 compared to 3% of the general population. Um, so staggering statistics. 50% of caregivers use food as a stress reliever. Poor nutrition um, negatively impacts their health and wellness. 55% of individuals helping care for a loved one do not identify as a caregiver. So we're not even reaching over half of the individuals providing care because they don't self-identify. So I think it's it's really important from an employer perspective to make sure that your employee's mental health is taken care of in order to make sure that they are productive at work and they can stay in the workforce. Right. So there are a lot of caregivers who just need to know what's available to them as well. So you can be a caregiver for older adults and folks with special needs in your family, in your community, and be struggling and thinking that you've got to manage it all on your own when really it's one in six of employees across the state. Um, and so just being aware that this is a program and that there are initiatives in your workplace to support you and in the state to support you as well, um, just saying it once or just saying, oh, well, if they need help, they'll ask is just unrealistic. So I uh, like that what you had said about making sure that this information is available to your employees through newsletters, through uh, resources, where it's not just folks who are looking for that specifically. It's also to know, oh, hey, maybe down the road, I'm anticipating needing to care for somebody in my life. And I know that I'll need support for that. And then knowing that this is a support in my workplace that will help me to be able to be a successful employee and provide these care tasks. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's a lot of tools at the discretion of employers. They don't need to be experts in caregiving. They need to understand the demographics that we talked about, that one out of six of their employees is in an active caregiver role, many in that dual role, and really we have employee assistance programs that deal with, you know, many things from domestic violence to alcohol and substance abuse. We're finally comfortable talking about those things through employee assistance programs. We want to see caregiving in the same lens. And just as you don't have to be an expert in alcohol or substance abuse or domestic violence, you don't have to be an expert in caregiving. You just need to know resources to be able to link people to. We are very fortunate in New York State. We actually have a statewide telephone number for the New York Connects program, which is 1-800-342-9871. That phone number will link you directly to your county and directly to the Office for the Aging for information, assistance, and referrals. Um, so we have a tool already built that employers can use to link to as long as they're comfortable having those conversations. And I think um, 
not only does that benefit your employee who feels that they're supported, but it, it empowers you as an employer because you want to make sure people are pre-planning and that it's not that, you know, 5 p.m. on a Friday phone call that mom has fallen and there's no one to care for her the following week. Um, you know, people really need to think about caregiving and future planning. And those are all things offices for the aging can assist with to make sure we're not getting people at the point of crisis. We're supporting them throughout their journey. And as their journey changes, we can adjust with them as far as the care plan is concerned. So looking ahead to the workshop uh, that you'll be presenting at NISAC's Fall Seminar, what are some recent investments and new initiatives that can help counties enhance services for caregivers and older residents in their communities? So we have worked on a variety of things to support uh, not only employers, but also individuals in the community. And I'm glad that you raised the upcoming conference. Um, we're actually hosting, in conjunction with the New York State Respite and Caregiving Coalition, a free event. Um, on Wednesday, August 10th from nine to four. And this is really focused on supporting working caregivers and it's, it's from a business lens. So it, this is targeted towards employers. Um, we're really looking to get attendance from human resource professionals, managers and supervisors, employee assistance providers, benefit managers, and people that are interested in the work-life balance. And we're so excited. Um, we're actually going to have keynote speakers that are going to come in and talk about all things caregiving. One is Alexandra Drain. She is the um, founder of Archangels, which is the Massachusetts-based company that, that administers the Caregiver Intensity Index. We're also going to have New York State Office for the Aging Director, Greg Olson. Um, and really, this is to talk about how to support employers, how to support employees, and how to talk about caregiving in a meaningful way to, to support your workforce. So we're, we're really excited for that. I hope you post information, Kate. We, are, we have plenty of room for people to attend um, along with a virtual option. So it's, it's really a great opportunity for employers that are, are looking to learn more. Great, I will make sure that that is in the podcast description for any of our listeners today who are interested. So as we're coming to the end of our conversation, is there anything else that you would like to address? Any misconceptions with caregivers in the workplace or any other opportunities coming up that you would like to highlight for county leaders across New York State? So there's a variety of things in that question, Kate. What I would say is that, you know, we're really we're really trying to change the lens of aging from an ageist perspective, which is what we have lived in for decades to really talk about the value of the older population, to talk about the value of a working caregiver. Um, there are many people who have been caregivers that have left the workforce. We're actually, we actually have tools to build their resume to show their skill set in caregiving, right? Caregivers are schedulers, they are multitaskers, they are social workers, they are nurses, they have an entire skill set. To have an employee who is a caregiver is really a gift to the employer because these individuals um, have a lot on their plate, but they're able to multitask, like I said. And when you can support an employee that's a caregiver, um, not only does that enjoy, drive employee satisfaction, it also really pushes that employee to feel dedicated um, to that employer because they do provide that support. <clears throat> I think the other takeaway for anyone listening to this podcast is really 
Um, when you talk globally about aging and aging services, like I said before, Kate, it is so imperative that people reach out before the moment of crisis. And a lot of people reach out to their office for the aging for one specific issue, might be respite, um, might be mom needs a home delivered meal. We actually screen those individuals for any and all services. So the Office for the Aging might get a referral because someone needs a home delivered meal. We might find out that we can get their Medicare Part B premium paid back to them every month. We might find out they need legal service assistance for estate planning. We might find out that they are in the wrong health insurance policy or program. We might find out that they're eligible for additional public benefits that they weren't aware of. And so if you enter the system, we're going to do a comprehensive service assessment to make sure that you're receiving any and all services that you are entitled to. We're also able to provide information on future planning. So you could come to me, Kate, and say, you know what, I'm not there yet, but these are the concerns that I have with my mom or dad, and we can have those conversations. And again, our services, um, especially for information and assistance and referral, are completely free. Um, we do have some programs, including our home care program, that there may be a cost on a sliding scale adjustment for, but I just encourage people to reach out. We're here to help. We're here for future planning, and we're really here to support um, anybody that touches the older population in New York State. And, you know, we know the, the population density here. We're fourth in the nation as far as individuals over the age of 60. When you look at population projections moving forward, we're going to lose population in every demographic other than the 60 plus moving forward. And the fastest growing segment of that population are those over the age of 80. So, you know, I encourage all employers to think about this. You can't put your head in the sand and think that caregiving is going to go away. Um, this is something that's going to be continually um, an issue for employers and employees, and it behooves everyone to be educated and know how to support your employees in this endeavor. Right. And also what stood out to me was that when you were talking to folks in the um, legislature that everybody has a personal care story. Everybody knows. Like I can think personally for myself, you know, my parents or family members of mine who are elder or who have special needs, who need some care. And I'm, you know, looking down the road for some of these folks who will need more care later on. Uh, but everybody has this. So everybody, employers, employees alike, so just making sure that this information is readily available and accessible and that there's less stigma around it. Um, everybody ages, and we know in New York that we have a larger aging population. So this just makes sense for everybody, and it will keep your employees, it'll keep the workforce bolstered and sustainable going forward. So it's just really great for everybody to be well informed. And it, what's really great is that there are local office for the aging where they are community members in your area, right, that are supporting the older population in your community. So it's a really community-led program, uh, community-led initiatives. Um, and so it's just really great to get this information out there. And I really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation today. Thank you so much, Kate. It's always great to be here, and this is such an important topic. Great. So for our listeners today, again, we've been joined by Becky Prevy, Executive Director of the Association on Aging in New York, and be sure to register for NYSEC's Fall Seminar to hear more from Becky um, in the workshop on new programs for county aging departments, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you again soon on the podcast, Becky. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kate. Thanks for 
for listening to this episode of County Conversations, brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. We hope that you will continue to enjoy these county government-focused conversations, so make sure to subscribe to stay up to date.